Hey everyone, welcome to another awesome episode of the Encounter Grow Witness podcast with Beth Spazarni. Hi Beth, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you, Father Steve? I am splendid, having uh-huh. a great time, enjoying the beautiful summer weather we have yeah. here in Michigan. Um, and we're here with our awesome, always faithful producer, Mr. Ron Pangborn. That's right. So uh, enjoying this uh, this great time, these great weeks, and uh, school out, Beth. School is out. Great. It is out. Yep. And I've had all the fear that most mothers feel of seeing all these kids just staring <laughs> at them, thinking, "So seventy days, then, mom? <laughs> like, oh boy, oh boy. Where are the perler beads? <laughs> I need to buy more. <laughs> so Amazon can tell you about my anxiety about the perler summer months. beads. Yeah, they're those tiny little beads that you iron together. They're time absorbing, no, energy absorbing crafts. Okay. That children spend hours doing. Uh, so water guns also have been purchased. Yeah. A lot of water beads. guns. I know. Yeah, water guns. The world of beads. I yeah. am. No, no. The kids, the guys are into with. it too. You can make I, all that sorts was, of things. It wasn't a uh, a gender stereotype to- comment. <laughs> <laughs> Just personally, I don't know the world yeah. of beads. All right. Well, perhaps I'll purchase some for you as well, <laughs> so you can get the most out of your summer. What did you do over summer break as a kid? I, I went to the pool like every day. Yeah. We had a neighborhood pool. It's like an apartment complex condo, mm-hmm. and um, I went to the pool every day. Other than that, I don't have any memories. TV in the pool. Were you TV in the pool? And oh, and the pool. An oh, article. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's it. Were you that's like swimming laps? Were you just as a kid, like Both. you know, playing and goofing Both. around? I did okay. swim team a bit, but mostly just playing around. Okay. Yeah. Great. I thought about you. I feel like you were playing sports outside with yeah, the whole neighborhood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's we had happening. lots of sports. Um, it was kind of, you know, I, I feel like the end of an era. Here comes the old man talk here. But, <laughs> you know, we didn't have a lot of organized sports in the summer. It was just kids from the neighborhood or playing. nearby going up to the local yep. school and playing baseball or meeting kids in the neighborhood yep. playing basketball. I grew up during the heyday of the Red Wings, too, when they were really awesome. So everyone was playing street hockey. Nice. Sometimes with rollerblades, sometimes just with your sneakers, but lots of that. And we were part of a a parks and rec program through the the city of Sterling Heights where I grew up. So that was like 10 to 2 or 9 to 2, 9 to 3 for five or six weeks where you'd go there and play all sorts of games. Um, Yeah. A lot of dodgeball, a <laughs> lot of knock hockey. You ever play knock no, hockey? What's that? Knock hockey is this like wooden board, and you got to, mm-hmm. there's a big block in front of the goal. So you have to hit it off the side, like oh. an angle into okay. the goal. Um, so it's a board game. It's a rainy day okay. game. And then calling all cars. You ever play calling no, all cars? That? That's uh, in the gym. There's four corners, and each corner, has a group of kids and you have a name of a car in your corner. So you'd be like oh. the Mustangs. Okay. And then there'd be two kids in the middle. So maybe I'm guessing this game doesn't get played a lot now <laughs> with dodgeballs. And you'd have okay. to run a lap around the gym and not get hit with a ball. Okay. Otherwise you were out. Your whole team. Your like whole they team call would your have corner. to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And sometimes they would call all cars. And so everyone Everybody was running around. So that, that and like steal fun. the bacon. Did you ever play steal the bacon? Yeah. It was a, another You great play that game. in the summer, though, like with the neighbor kids? No, like so this is all parks and rec. Yeah. Okay. So we would play it either in the gym yeah. or if it was a nice day, we'd go out to the field okay. and play it. So nice. Lots of lots of games nice. and uh, love summer nice. in Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. We're recording this during the month of June, mm-hmm. which in the Catholic Church is the month dedicated to the Sacred Heart of yeah. Jesus. And here at Sacred Heart Major Seminary, where our 
super swanky recording studio, uh, podcast recording <laughs> right. studio is. Um, you know, the seminary is named after the Sacred Heart yeah. of Jesus. And um, I don't know, that's a devotion I've grown more into for my own mm-hmm. personal life. But just thinking about how God loves us with a, a human, human heart. heart. Yeah. 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 And yeah. that, you know, that that's a reminder of how close he is to us. Yeah. Um, and I know, Beth, we wanted to talk today about how June is celebrated in mm-hmm. lots of the secular world and that uh, as Catholics, it's pretty inescapable mm-hmm. to see that June is celebrated as a uh, pride month yeah. for the LGBT communities. And mm-hmm. I think that acronym has grown it as has. well. Yeah. Um, so I thought, you know, that can be a tricky topic. I know mm-hmm. for lots of our Catholic brothers and sisters to talk about. And I think it can be tricky for even you and me uh, to talk about. But we thought it was important and wanted to have a conversation about that today. Yeah, it is important. And it comes up more and more in ministry. I mean, it's it's not just on the news and in our neighborhoods. It's also in the classrooms where we're teaching young people the faith. It's in um, it's in the small group conversations that happen in our parishes and in parishioners' homes. It's it's everywhere, right? And I think our parishioners. And especially our young people are grappling with what does this mean? Who am I? All these questions that um, our culture has answered in a very declarative way, our faith would answer very differently. Yeah. For our identity, you know, our sexuality is a huge part of who we are. Mm-hmm. It's not just an incidental part. Right. Um, but as disciples of Jesus, we know it's not exhaustive right. for who we are, or it's not even the most important part of who I am. Yeah. My sexual attraction right. or you know, how I express that, you know, yeah. there, there's the call to chastity that um, that Christ gives us in the gospel um, and that our church kind of calls people to. Mm-hmm. But um, sometimes that can be received with great challenge or conflict or condemnation mm-hmm. from people. And so I think, and I think we've talked about this too, you and I, I think it's helpful just to kind of peel that back a little bit and mm-hmm. come back to the identity piece of it. And some of the great ministries in the church that help us and our brothers and sisters who mm-hmm. uh, are experiencing same-sex attraction or yeah. now more and more gender identity issues, mm-hmm. um, you know, it can be helpful to say, okay, I-, I know that's the issue right here and now, but let's just take a step back and talk about mm-hmm. who God revealed himself to be to you mm-hmm. and how we come to understand ourselves more deeply in that truth. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, you know, we, and I think this is true for lots of our evangeliz- evangelizing efforts, right? People will want to put an obstacle or an issue that they're dealing with or struggling with, or that they don't under- understand the church, uh, kind of proposing the gospel in this way. Um, but it can be helpful to take a step back and instead of dealing exactly with that at the moment mm-hmm. to say, okay, well, let's talk about Jesus for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> and then in the light of that, yeah. we can talk about how this gets lived out. And so I tried, and I'm talking a lot here, so jump in whenever. This is great. But, you keep going. Um, but I tried to kind of work through some of this. I wrote an article for the mm-hmm. Detroit Catholic uh, a few weeks ago at the beginning of the month of June just to, to try to understand... Um, the identity of the sacred heart of Jesus and how that helps us mm-hmm. um, evangelize, minister to, and proclaim the gospel in the midst mm-hmm. of kind of the culture we are, especially in the month of June where, um, you know, expressions of 
um, Pride Month are just are just everywhere. And how mm-hmm. I think the Sacred Heart of Jesus is kind of the key mm-hmm. to understanding um, our identity rightly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I thought it was a great article. I I read it and I was like, I would like a hundred people to read this um, because I think. Yeah, I I thought bringing it back to the sacred heart of Jesus and inviting us all to recognize how deeply we need to know and understand the love of Jesus and and the merciful love of Jesus. I think what you said, um, without the merciful love of Jesus, I would be in hell, Mm -hmm. right? So like if we could both know like that as bad news to understand the good news that I'm loved so intimately by the Lord Jesus, unless I'm convinced of his love, I will not be an effective evangelizer yeah. at all. Right? It has to start there, which we've come back to a number of times. It has to come back to and come from an intimacy with the Lord Jesus yeah. as an overflow. Evangelization and mission out of my own strength and wisdom and condescension right. towards others will be just a real bummer to everyone around me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what an empty gift Ugh, for me to say, yeah. I want to give you me. Uh, <laughs> like, yeah. okay, but right. <laughs> we have something so much better yeah. than ourselves to give, and yeah. it's the Lord. Um, and it's because he came down in our own poverty mm-hmm. that we stand in radical need of him. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, We'll talk in a minute uh, about the kind of the challenge of seeing the world change so rapidly mm-hmm. over the last decade and how frustrating that can be and how that kind of forces us to put on the the mindset of being missionaries or being apostolic. Mm-hmm. That it's not just kind of Christendom you know, maintenance. Yeah, that's exactly. not going to work today. Um, but that, uh, you know, what I think it, the first step needs to be is just a, a real radical understanding of my own need for God's mercy mm. in my life. Mm-hmm. And that everything I do needs to come out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what you're saying, right? Yeah. It can't be touched with a kind of condescension. Mm. like, Or I'm doing yeah. you a favor. Ugh. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. you're not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that God has like saved me from eternal peril, saved yeah. me from hell. And he loves me in a way that I could never earn on my own, but also I would be totally lost without what he's done, without the incarnation, Mm -hmm. without Jesus coming and dying for us. Mm -hmm. Um, And any Christian witness, (laughs) let alone in the midst of such a a charged and Mm -hmm. tinged topic, any Christian witness has to begin with that. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe we've talked about this before, but there's, uh, you know, there's this great image I've heard a few priests talk about that it's, you know, the identity of an evangelist is like one beggar telling another bre- beggar where mm-hmm. to find bread. Yeah. And if we think we're, you know, the master bread maker, what's a bread maker called? A baker. A baker. So, Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Should we talk about flowers again? I know our guests were really impressed with our knowledge of flowers. My this mom a, called me to complain. <laughs> about how bad I am yeah, at flowers? Yeah, not me. Uh-huh. She's like, I taught you more than that. I'm like, I'm sorry, mom. I, I'm sorry. Oh, well, I'm sorry. Uh, but this is a different kind of flower, F-L-O-U-R. There you go. About oh, bread. So bad. <laughs> Thank you. That, um, you know, if we think we're the ones who have this infinite supply on our own, yeah. man, that's going to be poisonous for any of our yeah. missionary efforts. Um, mm-hmm. So I think we do have to kind of start with the position of how radically I am in need of yeah. the gospel. and. You know, I think the image in the Sermon on the Mount where the Lord says, remove the beam from your eye Mm -hmm. before you go after the speck in your brother's eye. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I mean, that's a pretty jarring image because sometimes mm -hmm. we can think, um, you know, I got, a, I got specs, <laughs> but man, yeah. there's beams out there. Yeah. And I think the Lord is telling us um, not to be paralyzed, not to say we have to be perfect before we do anything, but I mean, we just, I know for, for me, I have to start with the position of, man, God is so necessary for my life. Mm -hmm. And I know what a mess I am without him. And I know how, I don't know, I'm rambling here. So, uh, yeah. but, but that being the foundational position mm -hmm. and the sacred heart of Jesus shows me that, right? Mm -hmm. Kind of the heart of, of Christ ripped open for yeah. me on the cross that mm -hmm. God chose to come and be close to me because he knows I need him. Yeah. Yeah. I think oftentimes the reasons that our efforts to evangelize don't bear fruit and forgive me, I know this, is, I come back to this a lot, but I think a lot of the reasons we don't bear fruit is because we're not staying close to Jesus. We're just not. Mm -hmm. And so I imagine I, the analogy in my mind is like, it's like, things, it's like inviting people to Thanksgiving dinner um, when you've never actually eaten it yourself. <laughs> right. You're like, oh, it's great. There's like big plates. There's all this stuff. There's, um, I'm trying to remember what there even is. I, I can't. I think there's a uh, turkey. Yeah. Is there a turkey? <laughs> but like, if you haven't eaten it, you, yeah. you're not speaking of it compellingly. Oh, oh, like, you, were, you don't you were, remember yeah. what's there because you've never actually had it. You know? Yeah. So I just think like how many of us, even in the church, I think many of the people we minister, we assume people have this intimacy with Jesus. But I, the more I listen and the more I hear what people's own lived spirituality is, I think the more I, I hear a lack of intimacy. And I think the Lord, you know, I, this question comes back to me. Do we believe that the Lord wants to be close to us? Mm. Do we believe that? And I think a lot of people and some have even received the you know, kind of more of a, a, a strict, rigid formation that maybe the Lord wants to be close to you once you're perfect, right? Sit up straight. Right. Don't swear. Don't look at this. Don't talk about that. <laughs> don't ever go there. He wants to be <laughs> you know? per he wants to be close to the perfect version of yeah, me, right? right? Me at my best, yeah. all dressed up. Yeah. And so it, it comes from a, a proving and an earning. And that's yeah. just not, that's not the adoption that, that he won for us. Yeah. And that's not real relationship. No. Right. I mean, that's like cordiality yeah. or, or whatever. Like that's not intimacy. Yeah. Uh, part of intimacy is like knowing people's faults and yeah. like loving them anyway. Right. Yeah. It's not just knowing the best of who they are, right. but it's seeing like, okay, there's lots of imperfection here, right. but I choose to love you in the midst of your imperfection. Yeah. And that's what Jesus does. That's right. For us. Yeah. Um, and you know, this isn't a dodge. I feel like some people could say this is a bit of a dodge instead of talking about mm. the real issue um, of how our culture has really ran away from the good news about mm -hmm. sex, marriage, and chastity. And mm -hmm. I think we'll talk about this in a future episode with a mm -hmm. wonderful guest we hope to have. Mm -hmm. um, but I, you know, this has to be the foundation That's right. to say, I need to be converted. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, I'm just playing a part and just pretending mm -hmm. or... I just want things to go back to the way they were. <laughs> I yeah. want life to be simpler. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the images I, I think of for this in our efforts to evangelize, like if someone invites you over for a really nice dinner or a really nice event, mm -hmm. but then they're always annoyed unless you do things perfectly, <laughs> unless you know exactly mm -hmm. what to do. And then you, you feel like you're a bit of the mess up. You're mm -hmm. the, the one who's just going to do something wrong. Mm -hmm. And you're like you're always on edge with mm -hmm. that. I, I feel like that can be some of our evangelization efforts, like Ooh. come to church or, or come Ooh, come yeah, be part right. of us. But like you right. have to do everything perfectly. exactly yeah. perfectly right. or else there's going to be the, right. the tongue clicking. Right. Or, we had know. a guest square at Alpha once 
And the host got very nervous and um, was like, oh, no, like, we can't do that here. And afterwards, I was like, if you can't swear at Alpha, then where can you swear? <laughs> you can definitely swear at Alpha. <laughs> it's okay. You I, get to come as you are, you know. Yeah. I like how pro-swearing you are. Pro-swearing, very like much. You're, you're bringing yes. that. <laughs> I think it's on their flyers. <laughs> no, we encourage. <laughs> well, but everyone yeah. should be able to come. Uh, no, exactly. A priest in my old parish who said each of us is invited to come to Mass with our muddy boots on. His family, yeah. they were dairy farmers, and he had family that were priests, and so he would. the priest would come and they would say Mass in the living room, and they would all wear their muddy boots because that was the reality. They were going back out to yeah. work in the field too. Yeah. And so he spoke about just how profoundly the Lord invites us to come as we are. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I'm. We started in the last couple of years here in Detroit an outreach called Courage, mm -hmm. uh, national outreach, uh, which helps people who are, who experience same-sex attraction and who want mm -hmm. to live the church's teaching. It helps them in a community-based setting. I mm -hmm. think that's a really profoundly important ministry. Yeah. Uh, I got some training to be a chaplain, and I help with our local Encourage group, awesome. which is family members and friends of those who are kind of living in a way very at odds with uh, the call to chastity. Um, and mm -hmm. you know, I, I just see that I see this beautiful conversation that comes from that is yeah. understanding, you know, the need for, for my own love, for my family members and friends to be purified Yeah, that I can't just approach someone with, um, with the call of the gospel. And it sounds like, I just want you to stop doing what you're doing because it yeah. annoys me <clears throat> or because I'm upset by it. Um, but it's got to come from a purified love. And so yeah. that's why we're starting with this first aspect of we love. have to purify our own love yeah. and that only comes with a relationship yeah. with the Lord. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Father Mike Schmitz came and spoke at Shrine um, last week or a couple weeks ago about about these sorts of topics. And yeah. uh, he wrote the book Made for Love. Um, which is excellent. Which is excellent. Very, very Strongly good. recommend that, um, which is all about how every human person is unrepeatable and made for love. And, you know, he really tries to kind of speak to our society's obsession with and um, focus in on this word love, right? And he expands it to be not just sexual love, but like this, the deepest love that the human heart is capable of receiving, which is, of course, God's own love. So uh, one of the things he shared when he was with us at Shrine was that, um, you know, theology of the body, like we're all, that every single person, God, God loves you. And he's like, you've probably heard that, that God loves you. And it's easy to kind of hear it and be like, what does that mean? But he yeah. said, you didn't have to exist. You exist because God wanted to love you. And you could just say, see people kind of looking around like, okay, that's a different angle mm -hmm. on it. Mm -hmm. I didn't have to exist. And I do. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Because I'm made for love. That we are contingent and not yeah. necessary, right? We are God not made necessary. Us yeah. In tremendous freedom. Mm -hmm. um, let's talk about a, another aspect I think that's helpful. And we'll get to some of the practicalities here. In a minute, but um, uh, you know, one of the other aspects I think is so important is just helping people think about how much the paradigm has shifted mm -hmm. in our world, right? So I talked about this a little bit in the article mm -hmm. about how, you know, just you go back 15 years and there was no right. understanding of marriage being anything but one man and one woman, and the way that tide has turned so significantly. Yeah, and that now fast. it's not just like, okay, there's a, there's a debate or a question about this, yeah. but so much of our culture wants to say that issue is settled. Mm. And if you're not on board with that, you're a bigot, yeah. you're filled with hatred. Right. If you're not on board with this radical change, 
you are, you know, it's like the, yeah. the Bob Dylan song, you know, um, the, the times they are changing. Mm-hmm. If you're not ready for the new one, get out of the mm-hmm. way. Right. There's this kind of sense of condemnation of yeah. anyone who is not, uh, not even just like quiet about it, but you have to be actively yeah. supporting it. Right. right. And we see right. this, especially during Pride Month that, right. you know, unless you're changing your social media avatar with right. the rainbow um, right. bo- uh, border uh, frame on it, you know, mm-hmm. like. Why are you a bigot? Why do you hate so much? And I've just heard from a lot of faithful Catholics that feel like that's not at all how I feel, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? I I have no hatred about this, Mm -hmm. but I also, I'm not at peace because of the gospel, because Mm -hmm. of what it means to be a faithful disciple of the Lord. I'm not at Mm -hmm. peace with kind of making this, you know, the... um, the cause I want to get behind to mm-hmm. to promote. And so uh, I think it, it's an opportunity for us to take a real stock of things we've talked about, uh, how we are moving out of Christendom yeah. and completely into this apostolic age where yeah. we have to get comfortable <clears throat> or just, you know, come to terms with um, being a Christian is going to set us at odds with the culture yeah. more and more and more. Yeah, it will. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so... We can't be afraid of that. And I know for me, sometimes I get afraid and I just want to kind of run from the fight and mm-hmm. kind of go, you know, into my own right. little hole with the people who agree with me. Right. And I think that is so much the opposite of what right. the missionary call is. Right. And and so how do we love in the midst of feeling like we're... There's a hostility or yeah. we're not quite welcome. Yeah. yeah. There's a great book, Once I Was Lost... Uh, which was the precursor to forming intentional disciples. So mm. she wrote that based on this other book that had been written once I was lost about how um, the the basically the, the thresholds essentially that people move this through. This is Sherry Waddell. It was Sherry Waddell made it Catholic, but before that actually it had been a Protestant okay. research that had been done by InterVarsity. Anyway, they had um, done all this research on college campuses to see how people become Christian, like the process through which they go. And the first one that they identified, of course, was trust, the same, you know, Sherry Waddell's thresholds, of course, um, trust. And so they were recognizing that when people are pre-trust, we have all these knee-jerk reactions about how Mm -hmm. to respond to people when they don't trust us. Once they find out we're Catholic or Christian and there's this hostility, we tend to defend ourselves, argue bruise <laughs> or avoid them altogether mm. um, or pout, which is very similar to bruising, <laughs> right? Yeah. Which uh, how those will not bear fruit at all, right. right? Those just lead us back into kind of this Benedict option of like, let's just co- close all the doors, <laughs> let yeah. everybody come in and like, we're just not going to engage the culture, right? Right. But I think to, to allow people to um, have their natural reactions and then stay with them and continue to work to build the relationship and love them deeply and well, regardless of yeah. that hostility is how trust is built. Yeah. So I keep going back to that because I, again, our knee jerk reaction is to, to be defensive, to bruise, to pout, to be upset. Um, and the Lord is inviting us to take a piece of his heart yeah. and to extend it to them. Right. Yeah. As he took all the hostility of the world on himself. Right. On the cross, right? How are we invited today in such smaller ways, such smaller ways, right? To bear the hard comment at the family potluck <laughs> or, you know, the the event at the parade, the comment that's made, you know. Right. Yeah. And and this is why, just to kind of go back to the foundation again, we have to know the good news of the gospel in our own lives. We have to see yeah. how radically it saved us. Yeah. Right. Before we then can say, okay. I know there are people hurting, people who have yeah. accepted a different understanding of 
the good life, right? right? The what what is going to fulfill my desire, yeah. what's going to bring me happiness. And so I don't approach that as a jerk. Right. I approach it with, with love and with, you know, a kind of humility that understands how much I've wounded the heart of Christ. Yeah. And so um, I'm willing to receive my share of hardship for the yeah, gospel. That's right. And my share of hardship in 2022 is different than it was in 2012, yeah. than, you know, 1950, right. 1700s. Right. Um, and part of our share of hardship with the gospel right now is being a witness to this love. And mm-hmm. sometimes a witness to the love, and this is the pierced sacred heart of Jesus, right. as you say, yeah. is being willing to receive the barbs of the world. That's right. right? The, yeah. uh, the, the slings and arrows but to receive it with love as Jesus did and say, okay, I'm still going to love. I'm not going to retreat. I'm not going to, I love, I hadn't heard that before the bruising. Yeah. Right. I'm not going to bruise. I'm not going to bruise. And then she's like, (laughs) oh, right. (laughs) Right. Right. And now I'm worried about that. Yeah. um, Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's going to be such an important part of our apostolic work going forward. It's just being willing to take that. Yeah. Um, but to take it with the love and say, okay, Jesus, like this is my little bit that I yeah. get to bear for love of you. Yeah. And thank you for it. You know, the That's great right. stories of the martyrs yeah. who went to their death yeah. singing songs and right. praising God. I mean, that can get romanticized to the point of, oh, how beautiful that uh, was. And, you <laughs> right. know, uh, but really, right. like it was painful. It was hard. And yeah. it was terrifying. Right. And how did they do it? Right. They did it because they had a relationship with the Lord. Yeah. And because they loved the people right. they were called to live in the midst of. Right. Think about the early Christians, right? How um <laughs> how radically a minority they were, mm-hmm. how ostracized their worldview was, right? How laughed at they were, thinking that um, they were cannibals because they talked about the Eucharist in such a vivid way. Mm-hmm. Um, but what converted the world? It was the witness of their love. Yeah, it was the love. What's going to convert the hearts of our world? Yeah. It's going to be the witness of our love. Absolutely. Um, and the human heart of Jesus means, you know, he loves us in a way that understands all of our hurts. Yeah. And so we never, you know, have to run away from him to know that we're, we're understood. Mm-hmm. God knows us. He knows our hurts. Yeah. He knows the challenges we face. Right, right. I think um, Archbishop Vigneron wrote in his pastoral note um, about how people often think that the church's teaching is about a, a no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he said, um, at a time when many have been conditioned to think about the Catholic Church in terms of what she stands against, we must insist upon the truth that the gospel is first and fundamentally about God's yes to loving and saving us and about our call to say yes to him in return. Mm. I thought that was lovely because I think it can be hard. And maybe some of our listeners are listening to this and think, well, it's great. I'd, I'd rather be persecuted for <laughs> speaking about Jesus. But yeah. this kind of topic to be persecuted about feels like it's harder maybe to see it as good news. Yeah. Uh, and I think, there, you know, as, as as true in every moment, we live in a time of all these cultural paradoxes. Like as much as we are, like if you think about the ecological movement, right, that yeah. we're seeing this environmentalism, this appreciation, deeper appreciation for our world. And we want to think green. We want to be green. <laughs> we want to save all these things. We we look at the outer space and we think about the, we just, we continue to find intelligibility in the universe, right? And we receive the earth, we receive fossils, we receive all these things as gift, and we expect to learn from them. 
And yet at the same moment as we're celebrating that and thinking about all these ways we can save and preserve our beautiful world, which are right and just, mm -hmm. we also are looking at our human bodies and saying, no, this is not, this does not need to be preserved as yeah. it is. There's nothing we can learn from this. But Pope Francis wrote this um, Laudato Si about, you know, the world yeah. and this beautiful um, creation that God has created. And he spoke in that, just in this quiet little moment in there about the acceptance of our bodies as God's gift also being a vital part of genuine ecological preservation, right? That we shouldn't be canceling out and looking at our bodies as being meaningless uh, when they, they are so much that they reveal, just like our world reveals so much, right? We look at outer space and the stars reveal truths about that govern the universe. Right. Um, and so our bodies do too. And I think, especially when I think of young people, like they're growing up in a culture that tells them that their bodies don't mean anything. Yeah. And, and there's, then you you lose so much of of the love that we're made for if you remove the fact that we're spiritual and body composites and we're called to this fullness of love, both to receive the Lord's full love and also to give of ourselves. Yeah, um, Christopher West talks about the theology of the body as like this ticking time bomb that's going to explode to help like us understand. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but it's a good thing, everyone. It is. Um, this, this, you know, that's ready to explode, this reality that's ready to explode to kind of show us how to yeah. think about our bodies in the 21st century. Um, you know, knowing that the body reveals truths of who I am and yeah. that, that helps govern my decision-making, right? Yeah. And so I don't have to start from scratch with every decision. I can know right. my maleness. I can know because mm -hmm. of my body, because of how God made me. Right. Know your femaleness right. because right. of how God made you, because yeah. of your body, and that those aren't just irrelevant aspects, mm -hmm. but those are foundational truths that then allow me to build all these other things they need to be about who I am and yeah. what my mission is for the world, mm -hmm. you know, my mission in God's light, but also what I'm good at, what are my talents, what are my gifts that I can yeah. put at the service of others. Right. Um, I don't have to constantly be going back to these foundational questions yeah. because I can build on this right. reality. You know, just think about the uh, satellites we have up in space. Mm -hmm. That's possible because we learned how to get up to space, yeah. <laughs> right? right? And that's possible because we learned how to fly yeah. <laughs> because of the Wright bro brothers. Right. And that's possible because of all the mathematical and scientific right. truths that have been handed down throughout the ages. Yeah. And so if we're constantly having to ask, well, does calculus make sense? Well, right. is algebra trustworthy? Right. We're never going to soar to the heights that right. we're meant to be. Right. And the same is true with our identity, that mm -hmm. we can build on these truths so that we can understand deeper and more profound things. Yeah, so true. Yeah. So true. We did a, um, we had a, a, a series we did a couple of years ago with our young people, and uh, we asked them to make a list of all the things that define us. Like, what defines a human person? What defines someone? And so we made this huge list on the board, right? And uh, then we went back and we underlined the things that are permanent. Of these things, what which of these things are permanent, right? Socioeconomic status, that's not permanent. That can change, you mm -hmm. know? And Because I think, and it was sort of broadening for them to think about how, uh, you know, the, so much of this has been your sexuality is, is your identity. And that yeah. is what defines you most essentially. But you're, we're so much more. Like, there's so much to a human person, you know? Yeah. And being created in the image of God, like, Father John McKenzie was talking about the Kapox Day, right? That that mm -hmm. we have this capacity for God. It's just it's incredible. It's so beautiful, right? Yeah. So wanting to help we for each of us to discover more about the depth of what it means to be a human person, I think is um, such a gift 
this beauty of uh, what the gospel proposes to us, what the Jesus has shown us about chastity and how to understand our sexuality and mm-hmm. how the church helps us live that out with very you know clear understanding of it. Uh, but all this happens in very concrete circumstances. Yeah. And that's the whole point of the sacred heart of Jesus is he came mm, in this person, in yeah. Jesus, right? And he loves us in that, in these concrete circumstances. Mm-hmm. So it could be, you know, just helpful to talk about a few of these situations that I think we all have faced or have talked with people who faced about a family member or a friend mm-hmm. is entering into a same-sex relationship, Mm -hmm. uh, same-sex wedding, like, Mm -hmm. what do I do about that? Father, Mm -hmm. what do I do? Or maybe Mm -hmm. they come to you, Beth, or, Mm -hmm. you know, like, what do I do? Mm -hmm. Um, Any thoughts on that? This came up at work, shocking, (laughs) comes up all the time in parish ministry. And so we were looking at different dioceses and bishops and, you know, some bishops have said, absolutely not. Like, of course you cannot. And and others, it seems like are more like, well, and the relationship and, you know, it's nuanced, right? I mean, I have a a friend who's dear, whose sister-in-law is a dear, dear friend and is getting married and uh, to a woman and they're like processing what to do. They haven't, they're still like praying about it, you know, and it's difficult because on the one hand, our world would suggest this as a moment for celebration. And then on the other hand, we know that we're made for so much more and we don't want, um, yeah, we don't want to encourage people to settle, but obviously if we have no relationship, like it's gotta, the conversations have to be way before this, right. To build the relationship, to love them well, to, um, yeah, enable them to kind of get a sense of where we're coming from in the midst of these supercharged, difficult spaces, which is why I think it's easier for people. And (laughs) I think generally people would avoid the relationships altogether. Yeah. But I think the the fact that we are living in an apostolic age, we we can't keep doing that. Right. We need to be in relationship with people. So there's my nun answer. <laughs> I was gonna how say, about yeah. your how about your answer? A good Forty five seconds. So. Yeah. I could go longer. <laughs> um yeah. So as a priest, there's no way I could yeah. attend a same sex wedding. Um yeah. I I just couldn't do it. Right. I don't think I should and yeah. I, um I think as lay people, as faithful Catholics, I think we should not either. I would agree. Um, you know, I I guess I could think of circumstances where um, it could be understood. Uh, I would say, you know, the way I would approach it is to share a personal letter conversation, depending sure. on both your level of relationship with a person, but also your ability to do it. Some yeah. people like just get tied up in knots trying to talk about it, right? Yeah. And if they write it out, they can express their thoughts more clearly. Yeah, that's true. Um, to express some great level of love for the individual, care for the individual, mm-hmm. um, that uh, that they found someone who understands them and who brings yeah. them joy, right? To say, that's a good thing. God wants mm-hmm. us to be happy. Um, but happiness is not just contingent on how I feel, Happiness is contingent on corresponding my life to the truth. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's really hard. Mm -hmm. And I can't begin to understand all the depth of how hard that would be for someone who has same-sex attraction and feels like this is the only path to happiness. Um, That that can require an incredible level of faith Mm -hmm. to say, you know, I think this is going to make me happy. But Christ has shown me and told me through his church that that's not an authentic path to happiness. Mm -hmm. And so I have to avoid that. Mm -hmm. Uh, To appreciate the challenge with that, but also to say, as a Christian, I I have to do caritas and veritate, truth 
in love, love. Yeah. right? Or, or, you know, love in truth right. there. Um, and those two things have to go together. Yeah. And that's why a relationship with the Lord is so important Absolutely. because it's not my strength, my wisdom, right. my eloquence that's going to do it. Right. It's the power of the Holy Spirit speaking in me. And that's only cultivated through a relationship with him. Yeah, very true. So I would tell people they shouldn't do it, but they should yeah. look for a way to express all the good and and yeah. joy they want to express, but also express yeah. the truth about, you know, your our convictions. Because part of being in the apostolic age is we just have to find a way to share the truth of the gospel in ways that are can be heard. And, you know, sometimes we do that by messing up. I'm a big yeah. fan and, believe, you know, big believer in we're just going to mess up sometimes. And we yeah. just have to say, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. It was harsher than I meant it to be. Right. Um, right. What about family members? How to interact with family members? Who yeah. Are so, uh, you know, I don't speak the LGBT and the other um, acronym, parts of the acronym language perfectly. Mm -hmm. But I think... Um, the, the mm. trans movement is something different. different. That's fair. And so yeah. I, that's, I often talk about it as communities because mm -hmm. I, I don't, I think that is a really different question, different that's conversation. Yeah. But, um, you know, around the other parts of it, I think uh, family members who have parents who have children, family members who have siblings or friends who mm -hmm. are lesbian, gay, bisexual, mm -hmm. queer, questioning, all those uh, parts of the acronym. I think, you know, they're... I mean, the data tells us often those can be transitory, mm -hmm. right? They can be a part of people's life mm -hmm. uh, for a discrete period of time. And I think we need to be infinitely gracious and kind mm -hmm. and compassionate. Um, yeah. Again, not under, not knowing the challenge that led to this, right? right. We don't want to just dismiss it as, oh, this is something that just came up. Like, come on, get your act together. Right. And that is so off-putting. Yeah. Um, and I think the witness of our personal faith is mm -hmm. going to go so far, a mm -hmm. faith that is rooted in Christ, filled with love, a mm -hmm. faith that is willing to love sac self-sacrificially, mm -hmm. right? Um, from working with Encourage, one of the things I've learned is, you know, uh, often trying to understand the other person mm -hmm. and their desires, what's, you know, how they feel about that, help them articulate it. Mm -hmm. So being a good listener, mm. which I think you're better at than I am because um, I do a lot of talking so here. But yeah. being a good listener to someone mm -hmm. and to show that you care by yeah. listening is not the same as saying, I think everything you're doing is right and great and I'm on board 100%. Point. But it's being able to point. listen and let them yeah. express yeah. who they are and, and their you know, the struggles or even the joys yeah, yeah. that, that uh, has come with that. I think yeah. those are indispensable. Which is an investment of time, right? Which again is the opposite of our <laughs> knee-jerk reaction to bruise and hide and go away. It's right? an investment of time and an yeah. investment of feeling awkward. Yeah, true. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I love it. I think listening and asking questions are like the best things we can do. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, this isn't just meant to be a tit for tat, but it does often then open the opportunity for you mm -hmm. to share your faith. Yeah. With conviction. If you've shown mm -hmm. you've listened to someone right. and you're genuinely interested yeah. in them, not just as a problem to be right. fixed, Ugh. Yeah. but as someone to be in relationship with, yeah. that uh, that opens the capacity mm -hmm. for them to hear how Christ has been central to your life. And because you know where they're coming from, what you share might be helpful. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. You might know where to start. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on? That sounds great. Uh, yeah. And I think also there's wisdom there that the, the trans 
issue is separate. You know, there's more there. So what do you have for us on that? Well, uh, yeah, I think even within those communities, there can Mm -hmm. be a lot of fighting about how much the, you know, trans individuals kind of are part of that. Or you see this, um, this turf movement that, you know, Mm -hmm. talks about, especially, um, what is it? Men who have become women or uh, transgender men, transgender mm-hmm. women, you know, in sports and right. uh, things like that. Right. So there yeah. can be I think within the those communities, there can be a lot of mm-hmm. different opinions and frictions in those areas. Um, yeah. I just think that is such a such a different issue and so challenging. I mean, that gets to yeah. such a fundamental level yeah. about my identity to it say does. I want to change my gender. Um, and yeah. that gets into all the biology <laughs> that gets into the question of, yeah. you know, you said what's immutable, what's not right. changeable, what is changeable. Right. I can dye my hair, right. but can I change my gender? Our gender is in every cell. Yeah. 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 And the, even the split between sexuality and gender, sex yeah. and gender, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, again, talking with some families who have experienced this, it can be a real challenge of thinking of masculinity as just one way. One thing. Right. Yeah. So to be masculine is to play sports and to, I don't know, yeah, spit and burp and all that stuff. <laughs> right. right? There, this kind of like That's caricature so of masculinity. Yeah, right. Sure. And same with femininity. Right. right? That there right. can be Makeup this caricature. And and, yeah. yeah. And shopping mm-hmm. and yeah. giggling and whatever. Right. Yeah. Like the caricature. Yeah. And to help our young people understand, like, mm-hmm. just because you're a girl who likes sports or is a little more of a tomboy right you're still a girl just because you're a guy who doesn't like sports or doesn't like swearing or whatever burping and all that stuff like you're still a boy right right? there can be a this broad understanding of masculinity and i think the church uh, and the gospel has so much to help people understand that Mm -hmm. um and really the wisdom of the saints how strong some of the female saints were like Mm -hmm. joan of arc right um and how compassionate and understanding some of the male saints were and how self-sacrificial love um, can be expressed um, all across the understanding of masculinity and femininity. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I think it's really tragic with young people kind of as they're struggling with all these other questions, now they have to figure out these foundational issues. And I think we do them a tremendous disservice by not giving them solid foundation, as mm-hmm. St. Paul would say, solid food, <laughs> yeah. you know, upon which to build their lives. Right. To say, no, you're a boy. Right. Like, you, you may not feel like it. You may, like, high right. school's awful for everyone, <laughs> right? Or you're a girl. Mm-hmm. High school's yeah. awful for everyone. Right. You don't have to go right. think, you know, there's this fundamental defect yeah. in who you are. Um, so I think it's a real challenge with, especially with young people. Yeah. Um, and just like the language, the nomenclature stuff is always changing. I find it really hard to keep up on <laughs> understanding what some of that is. True. Um, and that can rock us in a way. Um, so I, I guess the last thing I would say about this is coming back to the beginning is the gospel is good news. Mm-hmm. We don't think we don't have to think that the gospel is hate speech. The gospel is historically right. conditioned that they didn't understand our times. Mm-hmm. Now the gospel is perennial truth. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, mm-hmm. today, and forever. Um, and so I can rest confidently in that truth. Um, and I, I don't have to kind of be rocked by all the changes in the world. Mm-hmm. And do you have any thoughts? 
Yeah, one of um, my favorite, I, one of the things I really love are the World Youth Day messages where the Pope speaks right to the young oh, people yeah, of the world. Yeah. I've used them for so many different things, although I've, I've never been to a World Youth Day, but I've led like 15 different retreats based on them. <laughs> um, but I, in 2015, Pope Francis uh, reflected on blessed are the pure in heart. And uh, he spoke to young people. He said, you young people are brave adventurers. If you allow yourselves to discover the rich teachings of the church on love, you will discover that Christianity does not consist of a series of prohibitions which stifle our desire for happiness, but rather a project for life capable of captivating our hearts. Mm. I just found that so, I mean, it's a challenge. It's like calling us to this ever-widening horizon, calling us forward, right? It's an adventure. It's a challenge. Uh, young people love a challenge, but also that invitation to discover the rich teachings of the church, right? Yeah. Have we who work in the church discovered the rich teachings of the church on love? Or are we allowing the radio waves and the the TV and the you know all the branding? Are we allowing that to shape our understanding of what's good and true and beautiful? Yeah. Um, to invite people to see that this isn't about a prohibition and stifling of happiness, but about um, something richer and deeper. Yeah. So for all of our uh, lay ecclesial ministers, mission direct people who are listening, just an invitation: remember the gospel is good news in your life, and that has to be renewed. <laughs> all throughout many, many times in our mm -hmm. life, every day, um, that it's it's good news that we're sharing, so we shouldn't be afraid. Mm -hmm. Even if we don't know what to do, um, we shouldn't feel like we have to run and hide from it, mm -hmm. you know, that we have to learn how to share the gospel in different circumstances. Mm -hmm. And in our age, that often means sharing the gospel in the midst of um, people who identify as lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, Mm -hmm. queer questioning, yeah, all, right. all of those. Right. And so we shouldn't be afraid of that, that Jesus in his sacred heart has come to love us in the concrete circumstance of our of our lives. And he's poured his Holy Spirit into us so that we can be his missionaries in the concrete circumstances of our lives. So go be joyful missionary disciples. This has been the Encounter Grow Witness podcast, equipping lay ecclesial ministers to be better fishers of men. Don't forget to like and subscribe, tell a friend, share this podcast. Thanks for listening.